The following podcast is part of the MindBodySpirit.fm podcast network. We are spiritual beings having a human experience. Welcome to Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. Fascinating interviews and compelling conversations. Be present. The Diane Ray Show. Hello, everybody, and thanks for joining me today for the show. I always appreciate you tuning in. It's a beautiful day here in sunny San Diego, beautiful Southern California. We were just coming off some June gloom, and it had been gray for, I think, the whole month of May. And I know people are going to be rolling their eyes right now, like, who are you complaining You know, here in San Diego? But the struggle is real. June gloom is real. So I'm very happy to be looking out the window here, and it's a beautiful sunny day. And I'm also happy to be welcoming my guest today and to delve into this topic because I love talking about relationships and about families. And you've all heard that saying, you can pick your friends, but you can't pick your family, right? Well, some people are blessed with close-knit family relationships, and others aren't so lucky. And I'm the oldest of three, and I definitely have had my share of differences with family members. One in particular, I will just refer to as the Christmas blowout of 2013. There was some glorious name-calling going on. Um, I won't get into the details. <laughs> Lots of hurt feelings, um, things that have been smoothed over since then, thankfully. But I'm sure you can relate. You know, families were, were different people in these family groups having to get along. So that's why I'm really excited about my guest today. My guest is John Harold Moore, and he's a life coach, a minister, a writer, a Course in Miracles teacher, and a facilitator in a healing process called Family Constellations. And John has been working with this modality since attending a Family Constellations workshop in 2012, and he's been doing his own workshops since 2013. So I'm really happy to welcome him to the show today. And welcome, John. Thanks for joining me. Thank you so much, Diane. And boy, would I like to hear more about the Christmas blowout of 2013. <laughs> Sounds like you could have used a family constellation before that. Oh, I could have. I really could have. It was epic. <laughs> it was, it was epic. <laughs> I'll, I'll have to tell you. Yeah, there the you know profanities were flying. It was crazy. Well, and, but, but the good news, you said, like, I'm sure a lot of people yeah. can relate to that. No, they can, you know, and especially around holidays, you know, oh, tempers yes. flare, things things run high. So maybe, maybe I'll share a little bit more of that blowout, you know, as, as the show goes on. Because as so I've been digging into family constellations, I'm really interested to find out a little bit more. But first, I want to share a fun fact about Don, that he was a prince, and I mean a real prince, a Disney <laughs> prince. And I had, <laughs> I asked you for permission to mention this just because I think it's so fun. So can you tell our listeners that what, what were you the prince of? <laughs> <laughs> yes, I can. Um, and, you know, it's, it is a, it's a very key point in my journey to doing what I do now because I worked at Disney World in Florida for seven years, uh, 1993 to 2000. So um if any of your listeners have photo albums, they could look and they might see me. Uh, I was on the castle float with Sleeping Beauty, uh, usually at Christmas time. Um, every not every year, about three years, I did that. And it. But first, I was a character. I was 
um, the ones that walk around and sign autographs, uh, Tigger and Pluto and those guys. And I was painfully shy before I worked there. And being in those costumes helped me to, you know, be expressive. And no one knew it was John. It was Tigger. And so that was how I started. And then I got the role of Prince Philip from Sleeping Beauty. And then it was me out there in front of all those people. But it was a stepping stone to do what I do now. I was in front of lots of people and got to be on the Christmas parade. And so that was a really uh, it was it was an awesome, awesome seven years of my life. That is so hilarious. And if people go to your website, they'll see that you're very handsome and that I'm sure oh, you made just an amazing prince. And here's another fun fact, six degrees of separation. My old, old boyfriend from high school drives the Cinderella coach. At really? Yes. Wow. Yes. <laughs> in Florida or, or in Florida? California? Yeah. In oh, Florida. Wow. His name's Ray. I don't okay. know if you ever came across him, but yeah, he was the guy that drove Cinderella's coach in the parades. And I've seen pictures of him in the full regalia, his <laughs> regalia, full, full get Yeah, <laughs> it's, <laughs> it's hilarious. So see, we have so much in common already we even before we, we started the, con the conversation here. <laughs> so this is going to be great. So I wanted to talk about family constellations because reading about it, it's just so interesting, this healing process that I wasn't familiar with. And I've mm -hmm. heard about a lot of them over the years, but this one's been around since the 1980s. So I was hoping you could tell us a little bit about the origins because I, I found it really interesting how this this modality came about. Absolutely. It is, it is very well known in Europe and South America, and it's just now becoming more well known here in the U.S. Um, it was created by a man named Bert Hellinger. He's a German man who grew up during both world wars, and he saw what happened when you put principles before people. And he ended up becoming a Catholic priest and a missionary. And he went and lived with the Zulu tribe in Africa for 16 years. And kind of the joke in the family constellation circle is that he was there to convert them and they converted him because he saw how much they knew about their ancestry. And also the idea of not respecting your parents wouldn't even occur to someone in the Zulu tribe. And he was fascinated by that. So he, he eventually left the priesthood, went back to Europe, studied traditional psychotherapy and other modalities, and created this thing called family constellations based on what he observed and all the different things that he blended. And just by trial and error and observing, he created this thing that we call family constellations. That's so interesting. I went to the website, uh, Family Constellations, and there was a great quote that really struck me just right on the homepage from Berthold Ulsamer. And I guess he was the founder. Is that right? Uh, I, I know the name is Bert Hellinger, but maybe in German, that's <laughs> that's how you say it. Okay. It, it could be. Yeah. But the, the quote, it says, children seldom or never dare to live a happier or more fulfilling life than their parents. Yes. And unconsciously, they remain loyal to unspoken family traditions. I was like, wow, that's really interesting. I wonder what, I, I mean, some things I'm, I'm aware of what I've brought on from observing, you know, my parents and their relationship and that kind of thing. But I thought that was, that really struck me when I read that. Yeah, it's very powerful. Quote. And I see it all the time in, in my work is that, it's almost like because we have such a strong desire to be connected to our family of origin 
it's a soul connection that even if we happen to be adopted, there is a strong pull to be connected. And we, it's, our, it's our safety, it's our protection for the first years of our life. We depend on our family just for our very survival. And so we, we want to fit in. We want to be part of the family. We don't want to be excluded. We don't want to be cast out. And that, that urge or that feeling of wanting to be connected is at play even into our adulthood. And sometimes that can lead to things like, I don't want to be more successful than my mother or my father because then I can't be part of the family. And of course, consciously, you would never think that. But unconsciously, where, you know, that's where most of the iceberg is <laughs> underneath the water, that's what's playing out and that's what's affecting our decisions. So we don't even know that that's happening. And the same is true for things like health or maybe a, a relationship that we, we say, see how much I love you, mom, I'll do the same. And it's a way to be connected, even though we wouldn't want to have some of the same health challenges. But again, it's an unconscious loyalty, we call it in family constellations, that to be connected through something like that. That's so true. And when you start peeling back the onion on all of that, I started thinking back on, you know, conversations I, I had had with my parents and, and with my siblings. And, you know, both my parents were kind of solidly, you know, upper middle class, like my father worked for the state, my mother was the teacher. And I remember, and I'm, I'm ashamed to even admit it now, but I remember <laughs> growing up when I was younger thinking, oh, I, I want to be more than just a teacher, you know, yeah. like yeah. I, when I was in high school, you know, I, like I would make those kind of statements yeah. in my head, you know, but now looking back and my, my sister's a teacher and administrator um, in, her, in her own right. And I have so much respect for that profession and, and what they go through. But I remember thinking those things growing up. Yes. So it, it, it is yes. so interesting how um, our family relationships kind of play out, you know, in our own life. And I wanted to find out your own story that brought you to family constellations. Would you be willing to share a little bit of that with us? Absolutely. And it's a great example of what we were just talking about um, to, uh, to describe that loyalty that I had to my father and I didn't even realize it. So I was living in California and I know that June gloom that you're talking, that you were just talking about. <laughs> I only lived there for nine months, but it is, the struggle is real people. It's very depressing. Um, but I, I got really clear guidance that I was supposed to go back to Miami. I'd lived in California about nine months and I, I went to Disneyland another tie in, um, with two really dear friends of mine. I had been staying with them, and I said, okay, well, it feels like I'm going back at the end of August. We went to Disneyland together for my birthday, the beginning of August, and I noticed myself. They were two guys, and they were in a relationship, and I noticed myself feeling uncomfortable with them displaying affection for each other. I mean, they weren't making out on the teacups or anything. They were just hugging each other or holding hands, and I thought, why, why am I uncomfortable with this? And so fast forward a few months, I went back to um, Miami. I started going to church again at Unity on the Bay in Miami. And I joined this book group. And the group was um, doing this book, You Can Create an Exceptional Life by Louise Hay and Cheryl Richardson. And I met this woman in my group. And she was talking about this thing that she does called family constellations. 
And to be honest with you, I totally dismissed it. I was like, just what we need is another modality, blah, blah, blah. And I didn't really pay it much attention. But in that book group, um, the facilitator asked me to play my crystal singing bowl to begin our group. And this woman that did family constellations had a meditation group in her home every Wednesday night. And she said, oh, would you come play your bowl for my meditation group? I said, sure, that sounds great. I'd love to meet your group. So I did. And at that group, somebody was talking about family constellations and she was going on and on about how amazing it was. And you won't believe what happens. It'll blow your mind. And that got my attention. So I went back um, to her home. Uh, my, my teacher, she became my teacher. Her name is Michelle Blechner in Miami. And I went to a constellation and what happened did blow my mind. I Usually you pick an area that you feel kind of stuck in that you want to work on. And usually it falls in one of four categories, either finances, health, relationships, or how we spend our time and talents. And I was feeling kind of stuck in relationships and finances at the time. But really, truth be told, what I really wanted was a boyfriend because I thought I'm a nice guy. I used to be um, a prince and I, I'm a massage therapist and I thought, what is going on? Why am I not meeting somebody? And so what I, so what we did is I'll have to explain a little bit of the um, the process of family constellations. But you pick somebody to represent yourself, and you also pick people in the group to represent other things, people, places um, in your in your story. So you could have somebody representing your grandmother. You could have somebody representing the country that you were born in. If it wasn't the U.S., you could have somebody representing betrayal, alcoholism, love, peace. And so we set up these people represent um, in your constellation. And that just means they're they're taking the place. It's not acting or role playing, really. And so I set up I told my story that um, I'm the youngest of five children um, actually six because my mom had a little one who only lived a few days. So that's an important piece too in family constellations is everyone has a place, even, um, if they, if it's a little one that didn't grow up to be an adult, that's still a sibling. But so I was talking about my family and that my father died when I was seven, um, through cancer. And I had always heard from my older siblings that it's a good thing my father wasn't still alive because he wouldn't have been okay with me being gay or if he was still alive he wouldn't have been okay with me being gay and they weren't saying it to be mean or you know to put me down or anything they were just it was just a matter of fact I guess he had made comments or something and so when the the representative for my dad heard that he said you know, you all need to give me a break. I would have been more okay with it than you think. And right as the representative from my father said that, I had this spontaneous memory of these little toys that my dad bought me. I must have been like five years old. They were called upsy-downsies. They were little colorful characters with pom-poms for hair. They had a little car and a little, little PlayStation that they all connected Definitely marketed for little girls, not to little boys. And my father would buy me these little toys. And I thought, 
one, why I haven't thought about these things in over 30 years and I'm thinking about them now. And if he really wouldn't have been okay with me being gay, he wouldn't have bought me though. He would have been buying Tonka trucks or baseballs or whatever little boys are supposed to play with um, in his mind. But he didn't. He bought me these toys because he knew I liked them. And it just it just made me realize that, yeah, people change, people evolve, people um, that there are different things at play. And so if he had lived, he would have been okay with my lifestyle at this point. I really believe that. And I had thought that I had dealt with the whole coming out thing back in college, but that incident or that trip to Disneyland showed me that there was still something lurking in my unconscious that was saying it's not okay to be gay. And what I realized now, having had that constellation done, is it was one of those unconscious loyalties. In order to be part of my family and to be loyal to my family, I thought I couldn't be in a relationship with somebody of the same sex. And that was not true. It was just a story that had been living in my unconscious all those years. And once that was released and I I got a different perspective that my father would have been okay with it, I would never be, if before that day, I would not have been talking about it on a show like yours. Um, not that I go around waving a pride flag everywhere I go, but it's just part of my story. And so it has been such a relief to have that, um, that experience and that new understanding and going forward with that. And I'm happy to say I have a wonderful partner right now. That is so amazing. And I'm so glad you could share that with us, you know, since June is Pride Month and yes. we're covering, covering, you know, some of those topics and issues kind of across the board on unityonlineradio.org on some of our other shows. So it's great that you could bring that up. And um, yeah, I mean, when, when you're talking about, you know, your sexuality or your partner, I mean, I think now it's so much more accepted where, well, of course, I live in a really open area where it's pretty common to see, you know, men and women walking around holding hands and that kind of thing. But, mm-hmm. you know, your your partner your and your relationship is a big part of your life, and you should feel comfortable in, in talking about that. But yeah. how... But I think it's interesting when I read about how the workshops operate and that someone else is stands in from one of your family members. I just remember a similar experience I had in a group setting. I was at an event with Louise Hay and actually Cheryl Richardson was at this too. It was at Miraval. <laughs> <laughs> She's incredible about, you know, that that kind of stuff. That would be a whole other story. But I'm in this room with all these women and they were sharing stories and a woman got up and, and she was really emotional talking about how she wasn't able to express love. And she mm. said, you know, growing up, I never heard my father tell my mother, I love you. He never expressed it. And I felt that realization like, wow, Mm -hmm. I never heard that either. My father was not the most emotional guy. He never expressed emotion or love. He was just, he wasn't able to, not that he was a bad person, you know, just the way he was. And I kind of had that realization that maybe that's why I have a hard time expressing feelings and emotions especially feelings of love. And it was after that that I think for the first time I, I directly said to my mother, I love you. And, and she said, I love you. And, you know, we had like the big, the big hug and everything. But I mean, we were never 
big of speaking about those kind of things in my family. We never talked about it, but it was only when I heard someone outside of myself yes. say that. It, and there, it, it was really, it was really interesting. Yeah. There's something very powerful about seeing somebody or hearing somebody that doesn't know you most of the time. It's somebody you've never met before. They just decided to come to the same workshop and they're speaking things exactly like your mother or father would have said, having not ever met them. And that's just one of the many magical and miraculous things about this work is something happens because of our common intention to help our brothers and sisters heal or let go of something that doesn't belong to them. That they're like people stand up and they either they know they're going to be picked before it happens or they'll they'll just start feeling these emotions. I, I remember doing one, one of my very first ones that I participated in um, with my teacher. There was a young woman who was about to go visit her dad, and she had um, always thought of her dad as kind of a monster because he was so horrible and harsh to her. And when her mother died at a young age, um, she had a series of stepmoms, and he just she just couldn't connect with him. And now he was getting close to the end of his life, and she was on her way to go visit him. And I represented her father in that constellation. And as soon as I stood up in what we call the knowing field, which is the area where any information that will help someone is accessible from other than the five senses, and tears started streaming down my face as soon as I stood up. And she could see her father in a different light that, wow, he's that must have been really hard to lose your wife at such a young age. And now he's got a little girl. What am I going to do with this little girl? And I think he was in um, one of the wars as well. And I think Vietnam and saw some, you know, horrible things over there. So she never really saw her dad because he, his hard exterior would never let her see that side of him. But she had new eyes of compassion for her father to see me with tears in my eyes and it something she never thought of that maybe how hard it must have been for him. And maybe that's why he was like that. Isn't that amazing? And, and I think that's great what you said, seeing things with new eyes, yeah. with new eyes of compassion. And it's so difficult sometimes, I think, to think of our parents as you know, first of all, sexual beings or <laughs> people that have needs. <laughs> Yeah. Or any of those those things. I mean, for years, like I thought I was the immaculate conception because it just <laughs> I could never imagine my parents having sex. And is isn't that crazy? But because there was such a lack of um any emotion or display or any of that between them, I could never imagine that, you know? Yeah. But yeah. but seeing it through someone else's eyes or hearing someone else, you know, vocalize those same things kind of brought it home to me. And I wanted to dig in a little bit. We have about three minutes before the break. I think the concept of the knowing field is really cool. I mean, I'm a big believer of kind of the collective unconscious and some of Carl Jung's theories on that and that we are kind of surrounded by energy and, and we've all walked into a room and had that feeling of, oh, I shouldn't be here or, oh, I don't like that person. And I'm sure a lot of that energy comes into play when when that part of the process is, is working out, right? Absolutely. Absolutely. There's, there's something that happens that, that you, people get picked 
that have had the same abandonment issues. And what I like to do to, to keep it a little more from getting in the left brain and more into the feeling is I, I write things down on pieces of paper. Like I assign the roles like alcoholism or abandonment or mom or dad. And I write them on little pieces of paper and I fold them up and I have my client hand them out to the participants. So they don't know who they're representing. They don't know their mom. They don't know their dad. And it never fails that something takes, like, I don't want to say take over, like they're not possessed, but they, they start feeling things that they know aren't theirs. And they report, like, I really, I want to be near that person. Wherever they go, I'm going to follow them. Or that person gives me the heebie-jeebies. I need to stay as far away from that person as possible. And when we find out where the love got blocked or where the, the movement was interrupted and we get love flowing again, everybody feels better. Like the whole room, whether you're participating or just observing, everybody feels it. And there's a lot of tears, but there's a lot of, you know, sighs of relief when the resolution happens. It's just miraculous to see how even if you're not participating, it, the, the energy fills up the entire room. Isn't that amazing? And then when it comes through somebody else, I think is, is really powerful too. Have you ever done psychometry, you know, holding someone else's watch or jewelry or something? Yes, yes, in a Brian Weiss uh, workshop. And, it, and weren't you amazed at what you could pick up? I, I always think that's so cool. <laughs> yes, yes. I, I like to call family constellations like the gateway to the gateway drug to woo-woo because people that wouldn't yeah. come to like a past life regression or an angel workshop or something like that, we all have family and most of them have done some interesting things. So they come to these workshops and they whether they think they're intuitive or psychic or not, we find out that we all have the ability to get information from other than the five senses and something happens and people have, it's one thing to talk about it, but it's another to have an actual experience. And people always ask me, how does this work? And I usually just say, the short answer is God or the universe or, or spirit uh, is the answer because it, it's definitely not me doing it. Right. And it's, it's so interesting and amazing when that happens. I love, I love, that, you know, feeling that, that energy. And also I've talked to a lot of people that have the ability to uh, communicate with the other side or, you know, kind of have that, that heightened sixth sense. Mm -hmm. And they all agree that we all do have those intuitive gifts. We're just going to take a short break. If you'd like to join the conversation, 816-251-3555 is the number. I'm talking with John Harold Moore about family constellations and other things. And we'll be right back after this short break. Stay with us. This is Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world, welcoming the LGBTQ community today and every day. If you've been inspired by the programming on Unity Online Radio, we hope you will give your support so others may be inspired too. This online radio network depends on the support of listeners like you to continue operating and expand its outreach. Go to unityonlineradio.org and click on Donate today. 
Here's a Unity Teachable Moment with Rev. Wendy Craig Purcell, taken from a talk called The Plan Unfolds. I know in those times in my life where the changes have been hard and difficult and painful, that one of the things that has helped me to deal with them is to realize, oh my gosh, this is not just ultimately for my own growth and my own benefit, but it's going to help me in some way to be a benefit of other people. And so very important to this idea of true new beginnings is that it usually begins not with something that we've changed out here and have said we want this to be the new beginning, but we're beginning to feel something moving or healing or changing inside of ourselves. To find a Unity Church near you, visit unity.org. Take Unity Magazine with you wherever you go with the new Unity Magazine Digital Edition, available now for Android, iOS, and Kindle. It has a gorgeous new look and functionality that makes it easy to share inspirational articles. Sign up for email notifications for the latest issues, articles by your favorite authors, and topics you care about. Unity Magazine's Digital Edition is free with your print subscription, so download the app today or go to unitymagazine.org slash subscribe to find out more. Ready to roll the dice? Check out the new intention dice from Unity. Five dice, different colors, each with words that can prompt you to set an intention for the day, create an affirmation, or journal your thoughts. Roll the green die for abundance and see what comes up. Enriched, worthy, generous. Blue for health. Energetic, whole, radiant. Five dice, limitless possibilities for your life. Find them at unity.org dice. Is life getting you down? Don't worry, choose happy. Join Dr. Marissa Pay every Thursday at 2 p.m. Central and get ready to shift your outlook. Dr. Marissa is an organizational psychologist and life balance coach who will help you to process the tough stuff. Get real-life strategies you can use today to experience more hope and happiness. Call in and join the live show or listen later on demand only on unityonlineradio.org, the voice of an awakening world. Call now with your question or comment. 816-251-3555. That's 816-251-3555. Welcome back to Be Present, the Diane Ray Show. Welcome back. Thanks for joining me after the break. I'm Diane Ray here talking with John Harold Moore about family constellations method of healing. And it's really fascinating, the kind of work that John's doing. So if we talked earlier in in the first break about my uh, Christmas blowout of 2013, maybe you've had a similar blowout. If you'd like to share a story or maybe get some advice from John, 816-251-3555 is the number. We are live, live and in person here. Uh, So John, before the break, we're talking a little bit about one of the concepts in family constellations or one of the practices that you use and you call it the knowing field. And we were just digging into a a little bit of that because I think that the, the idea that we are all connected, you know, we're all one and we've heard that so many times and sometimes it falls flat with people where you're thinking, Oh, there's no way I'm one with, with that person, you know, whatever (laughs) they believe that's that's just not possible. But then when you're in a session of family constellations, as you described it, you know, someone could come up and is playing a role 
of someone in your family and just these remarkable shifts happen within that knowing field space. And we were just talking about how that, that exchange of energy and, and how that can work is, is just really unbelievable. And so you believe too, that our own natural intuitive gifts or paying attention to that can really help us in our communication. Absolutely. And the going to a family constellations workshop or uh, some people call it systemic constellations, will be a great way to develop that skill because because there is a group of people and we do have that common intention. And people that don't think that they're psychic or don't have that ability will all of a sudden know things that they have no idea how they know or even feel just like, oh, I feel a little something in my stomach or I feel um, I feel like I want to laugh or I feel like I want to lay down or I want to go stand in the corner or I just want to get out of here. And they're tapping into the energy that connects us all. And it's really a beautiful thing to witness because we do exactly like it's one thing to say, oh, we're all one and, and we can toot that horn. But when you have the experience of it, when you feel that you are connected to this group of people that, that you've never met before, it's, it's really, you can't deny that the experience. It's, it's so powerful. And I really love sharing the message of telling people that we all have these intuitive gifts and to pay attention when you get that feeling in the pit of your stomach or you're doing something that might go against your beliefs or it's not quite right. And I mean, I, I do it all the time. Even just this week, I did something that I, I probably shouldn't have done, <laughs> you know, <laughs> and I, and I knew, and I knew deep down, well, maybe that's not the right choice. And I, in retrospect, like, well, why didn't I listen to that? So, I mean, even every day I try to pay more attention to, to that feeling and that power. Yes. But I wanted to ask you too, when, so when you're working with, with a group, um, you know, you're in a family constellation session and something really traumatic comes up. And I just wanted to talk about the, the feelings of, you know, shame that can come up with a traumatic experience and then how, like you bury that, how that can express itself in our relationships with others outside our family, not even necessarily shame in itself, but just trauma, like something you've buried down. You think you don't even think about it. It's, it's in your subconscious and then how ways that that expresses itself. Yeah. There, a great example of that. Um, I, I did a constellation once in a large group at the big sky retreat in Montana. And this woman, um, like we we always asking different questions and this woman started getting emotional and i so i said let's work with you and she had had um i believe two three or four abortions or lost lost pregnancies um when she was much younger and she had thought she had made her peace with it and you know it happened and she was young and and so what we did was i brought four people in to represent those unborn babies and have let them have a conversation that had been wanting to happen for 40 years. And she, um, she spoke with those, those little, those little ones said, you didn't do anything wrong. It was my, it wasn't my time to come. I, you will always be my mother. I will always be your child. And thank you for seeing me today. Thank you for recognizing me as your son or your daughter. And you wouldn't think that, 
that would have, you know, that, that that would be a son or a daughter. But like I was saying in my example of my, my oldest brother who only lived a few days, he is my oldest, my older brother. And this woman left that, that, uh, workshop feeling so much lighter that she didn't even realize she was carrying the guilt and the shame of the decision she made when she was so young. Um, but hearing, hearing those words are so freeing because it's, it's something that, that needed, that she needed to know that she didn't do anything wrong, that there, the love is still there no matter what appears to happen on the outside. Wow. I mean, that is so powerful. And I just wonder what effects do you think her carrying that around may have had with her relationships or people that she came in contact with? You know what I mean? Like how could that have maybe held her back? Well, one thing that I've learned doing this work for the past six years is that our heart is either open or it's closed. It can't really be open to some people and closed to others. And a lot of times when something very traumatic like that happens, whether it's sexual abuse or a death of a young of a little one or anything that causes trauma, in order to get by and survive, we have to put armor around our heart to keep going. And it serves us for a time. But eventually, we do need to let that armor go because it's really hard for love to flow in and out of a heart that's got armor around it. And so when we begin to let that wall down, then we can have more intimate relationships with people and our all of our relationships improve. So I can only imagine that that woman I was just speaking of, once that pain and and guilt of those experiences was dropped, that her relationships could only be more rich and more intimate and more joy can come in and more love can flow in and out. Right. And you can imagine the people and relationships she may have kept at arm's length, not even really consciously knowing that she was doing that. It's so fascinating. And I wanted to touch a little bit on the feelings of shame since we brought that up, because I think that we really live now in kind of a shaming culture. I mean, it's so easy to put something about someone online and have it spread like wildfire to shame them for, you know, anything. Oh, you're too fat. You're this, you're ugly. Um, and, and I just think it's, it can be such a debilitating feeling and and so powerful. And how, how have you dealt with that with some of the people that maybe you've worked with? Yeah, exactly. I agree that it is, it, it can be debilitating. And what we do in a constellation, we don't shy away from subjects like suicide or mental illness or sexual abuse. And one of the reasons that these patterns repeat in families is because they're not talked about. Nobody, everyone is carries shame around it and we don't want to talk about it. And one thing that one of the premises of family constellations is just like um, the, we have a soul, the family or the system has a soul and that soul wants two things. It wants the family to keep going and it wants love to keep flowing through the family. So if anyone is forgotten or left out or anyone is excluded or love got blocked somewhere, the family soul tries to find a way to bring them back in. So if sexual abuse happened, for instance, and somebody was ostracized or or cast out of the family, 
um, but no one knows why or it wasn't talked about or then the family soul that pattern will repeat in the next generation trying to bring everyone back in and once you once you name it and you realize that that also takes a lot of the energy out of it when you you know from we know that abusers don't just start out as abusers they have most likely been abused themselves and it's this chain of pain that gets passed down from generation to generation so once you see the the person that did harm in that light like oh they were harmed too then it kind of pulls the plug on that charge and you can see them with different eyes like we were saying before so that you have compassion for them so that it's not just oh they were this horrible person that did this to me it was oh it happened to them too but it can stop with me and I'll actually have people a lot of times in a constellation hold on to a pillow and I'll have them put any guilt or shame or pain or trauma or fear or any of those emotions that they've been carrying for their ancestors into that pillow. And then when they feel like they put as much as they can, I have them hand it to their mother or their father. And then I have that, their mother or father, hand it back to their parents. And so we just pass it back to a strong ancestor that can hold it so that it doesn't have to go on to any descendants. It doesn't have to go on to their children or grandchildren. And it's and we stop the chain of pain right there. Wow, that that is so powerful. I would love to sit in on one of these sessions. <laughs> it Please just sounds, do. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to look one up. It, it sounds just so, so healing and just able to shift things. And it sounds like pretty, actually pretty quickly. You know, people can come to kind of big realizations and transformation have, can take place. I have heard that. I have heard one people say that I spent 10 years on a therapist couch and it never got to what I did in two hours in this constellation. With all due respect, because that's a wonderful profession, but this is a wonderful compliment to that because traditional therapy may not ever ask, um, did something happen? You know, what, did somebody die in a house fire in your family? And maybe that is that is something that trauma of that is why something is not going right in your business life like it wouldn't occur to you that that is connected but what we do in a constellation is we connect dots that maybe haven't been connected before so that once you see the pattern then it doesn't have to repeat it's not unconscious anymore right and when you become aware just makes so much uh, such a difference. I had a, a conversation with with my brother. He's younger. I'm, I'm the oldest of three, and he had a difficult relationship with my father. Um, you know, I had explained he wasn't like the most loving guy. But I was telling my brother something that he didn't know that my father had actually lost his mother at a very young age, and then his father married immediately the sister, his mother's uh, sister. Uh -huh. So it was one of those kind of, you know, weird situations. And I said to my brother, I go, how do you think dad felt being that young boy who lost his mother? And then all of a sudden his aunt is now to become his stepmother. I go, don't you think there was some feelings of, you know, confusion, resentment, all of that, because he was only nine or 10 as a child when that happened. And my brother had no idea about any of that. He didn't yeah. know any of that backstory. And then I even gave him a picture of my dad when he was a little boy. And I go, I'm like, look at that face. <laughs> so the whole thing, I'm like, look, look at his face as a little boy. I go, how do you think he felt? And, and my, my brother just really didn't realize. But I wanted to bring up too, like speaking of siblings and family dynamics 
And this has always fascinated me. Maybe you can give me a little insight. So family members, we have completely different processes and understandings of the exact same event. Of, mm-hmm. of, a, you know, a Christmas that happened when we were kids, I may have thought it was wonderful. My brother and sister would have a totally different interpretation of that. Yes. So, I mean, how do you work with that within a constellation? Like if there's siblings and everybody has a different interpretation of what happened? Well, I, I like to think of it as like we're, we're all like slide projectors and we have a slide in our projector and we're projecting the scene based on that slide. And everyone has maybe a slightly different camera angle of the same scene or they have a different set of um, experiences or they were two and you were four. So you have more of an understanding or you knew what was more was going on. But no matter what it is, what we're trying to do is take out that old slide that maybe wasn't complete and put in a new slide that maybe is in 3D and you have more depth or you see more of what was going on. And so it's not that what you what you knew before was wrong. It just wasn't the whole picture. Just like you were describing with your brother, like once he had more of the story, there there can be um there's more of an understanding. It's like I use a I actually bring a puzzle piece to some of my workshops and I I hold it up and I see you everyone can see that there's different colors in this, but we have no idea what this piece is a part of. We don't know what the puzzle is. And it could be part of a landscape. It could be part of a bowl of fruit. It could be part of an oceanscape. We don't know. But once you put, start putting more of the pieces, you get more of the picture and you have more of an understanding. And I, I know we talked a little bit on the break about A Course in Miracles. And one of my favorite quotes from the course that helps me explain family constellations, um, I just I pulled it up on my phone while you were talking because it felt so appropriate. It says, um, understanding is appreciation because what you understand, you can identify with. And by making it part of you, you have accepted it with love. Right. That that just makes so much sense. So your brother had that experience uh, of he saw more of the picture so he could understand it and maybe soften around it. Yeah. I mean, he did. And he was was shocked. He's like, well, I never knew that. Mm -hmm. And I thought, well, I, I didn't know you didn't know that. I thought we all knew the same things. You know? <laughs> so, yeah. We're in the same house. What's wrong with you? But uh, <laughs> you know, we, had a, we had a really good conversation about that whole, that whole dynamic. And, you know, our relationship has gone up and down over the years. He was a, a, a big part of the Christmas blowout of 2013, <laughs> but we've, we've got, we've gotten past that and have actually have gotten a, a lot closer, you know, over the years as we've gotten older, there's a five year difference. So yeah. I think sometimes in that, in that time frame, you know, you're in totally different parts of your life uh, and interpret things in, in another way, like at 15 than someone at 10 would. So exactly. yeah, that, that's a whole other story, but I'm yes. glad that you brought up uh, a, a course in miracles because I definitely wanted to bring that up since you're a teacher of the course and you're well-versed in the book. And we were kind of joking during the break because I said, you know, I really want to touch on this because I've got that book and it's kind of a doorstop. I don't know what to do with it. And, you know, and I know there's so much valuable and rich information on ways to better process events that happen and ways to live our life. So, I mean, book, you know, Course in Miracles 
if you if you go to Wikipedia or Google it, I mean, it's been called everything from like the New Age Bible to satanic seduction, woo-woo psychobabble. <laughs> I mean, the the book really has been called all these things. So what what have you gotten from it as a practitioner and, and someone who actually teaches the course? Well, I find it goes hand in hand with family constellations. I had been studying the course for about five years, I think, when I first found family constellations. And it made so much sense to me because the course is all about non-judgment. We are all one. Nobody, nobody is left out. We're all, we're all part. We're all the son of God. We're all the son and daughter of God. And there is only love is real. And family constellations, um, the tenets of it are the same thing. Like even if somebody does something. Uh, there's some kind of harm that's been done. We say that the person loses their rights, but they don't lose their place in the family. They're still part of the one. They're still part of the family. And everyone has family that has done some interesting things at one point or the other. And so to not judge it and to, so the, the two really, to me, it's like a course of miracles in action. Whenever I do a family constellation and we see that underneath it all, even some of the most, horrible things that you can think of. And I've heard some really disturbing things that have happened in families, but somehow underneath it, there is love. It's, it's what we were saying in the beginning of the show. See how much I love you, dad. I'll do the same thing. It's a way to be connected, even though it may not be beneficial to you or anyone else underneath it is that, that love that wants to connect us. And isn't one of the uh, maybe not a tenant, but I've heard it spoken about in, in connection with A Course in Miracles that there's there's only fear or love. Yes. And like overcoming fear, you know, seems to be a big part of the philosophy. Yes, absolutely. The And right in the introduction of the course, it says that um, this course doesn't try to teach the meaning of love for that. That is beyond definition. But it the meaning, the opposite of love is fear. But what is all encompassing can have no opposite. So really love is all there is and if we remember that that everything is either a call for love or an expression of love and the appropriate response is always love so if somebody's coming at you and wants to give you a hug that's an expression of love and so you hug them back but if somebody is screaming at you that you did it wrong or that why are you parked or you cut them off or something or there's the blowout of 2013 right <laughs> that it's really a call for love underneath it and maybe you wouldn't go over and hug them because you might get slugged but you can in your mind you can say oh they're they forgot who they are they forgot the truth that they are they are connected with everything they forgot that they are a beloved child of god and so i can send them love in my mind from a safe distance um and that's when things change but if i send them more attack and more hate and more fear that just it's like pouring gasoline on a fire Right. That, that is so true. And fear just seems to be a controlling factor in so many behaviors and, and feelings. And I mean, that's a lesson in itself and just a real practice every day to try to send love to the people that are, that are sending you or you perceive that are sending you fear and hate. I yes. mean, we, we can yeah. even just <laughs> try to do that. And, and that's... <laughs> and Hard Family in itself. Constellations is a great tool to do that too, because it gives you that understanding like, oh, 
they weren't just a jerk. They had this and this and this going on, or they were carrying this. And But if you can really break it down into the call for love or the expression of love, it it makes it simple, but it's not always easy to do it in the moment. No, no, it, it's it's a, a lesson and a practice and a challenge for, for all of us, but something that we should definitely try to remember and, and keep in mind. So yeah. with the course, um, kind of the, the history or a little bit of the backstory is uh, a woman named Helen Shuckman, mm-hmm. I, I hope I said her name right, you know, you wrote did. the text. And now some people call it a channeled text, and people might have a problem with that description. And what do you what do you think about that? I believe 100% that it was the voice of Jesus talking to her for seven years, dictating word by word what this is, what a different way to be, because we all get to the point where we say there has got to be another way. This is not working. What I'm doing is not working. And from my understanding, there was a lot of disharmony in the psychology department at Columbia University where she was working. And she and her boss, Bill Thetford, um, want, they're wondering, what can we do to change this? Because there's got to be a better way. And she says later that this course is that way. And she didn't, she said, I, I know it's true, but I don't believe it. <laughs> so she wasn't, she wasn't able to really, um, practice it. I've heard that she was not a very nice woman, honestly. Um, but her contribution was to just be this pure channel for these words to come through her. And that has helped so many shift from fear to love. That's such an interesting story, the the whole backstory about how A Course in Miracles came to be, you know, and came to be published. And I, I think it's interesting that if you really look at it, I mean, isn't the Bible a channel text? You know, didn't Moses channel the Ten Commandments, but but no one has a problem with that, but <laughs> yeah. I, I don't know. <laughs> and there's, there's a lot of contradictions. For, I have not read yes. the Bible. It doesn't really speak to me, but there, from my understanding, there's a lot of contradictions in it. And the Course, there are no, I mean, it's all consistent. It all fits together holographically. So you read one sentence, it basically just says the same thing over and over again in a different way that might land in your, in your consciousness. But yeah, you, whatever, if, if that, if there, but you can interpret the Bible in ways that, that are coming from love. And I think it's beautiful. Oh, absolutely. I agree that that it's, uh, yeah, it's interesting, right? (laughs) Kind of scratch the, scratch the surface there. Um, but well, you've inspired me, John, to pick up the Course in Miracles from the doorstop it's been and, and give it another read. So <laughs> okay. I'm, I'm going to look at it. All right. <laughs> I'm going to look well, at you, it again. If so, you have the, the Gary Renard book, Disappearance of the Universe, uh, I know he's I a do. Hay House author. That's, that, they call that the decoder ring for the course. And that really helped me to understand what it was talking about. I don't think I would under, have understood the course. It would have been a doorstop for me too, Diane, if I hadn't read that book first. <laughs> Well, I will try that. I do have that. And I also have Alan Cohen's A Course in Miracles for Dummies. Yes. I've, I've got all, all of them, <laughs> all the books. <laughs> so I will, I'm going to give it another try. So we have just a couple of minutes. It's been so fun to talk with you. I'm sure we could just keep chatting. Uh, but I want to talk about a couple of events you've got coming up to let people know. So the first one's in August. It's the 44th annual Big Sky Retreat in Montana. And that sounds amazing. And who will be at that along with you? Um, 
Donna Eden and David Feinstein. I, I think it's so interesting that you had Dondi Dolan on your show last week, and I didn't yes. know that she was going to be a guest, and she is going to be presenting as well. I'm so excited to meet her now after listening to your conversation especially. Um, so Donna is going to be sharing her um, energy medicine, and we have Sheila and Marcus Gillette. Um, Sheila channels Theo, the 12 archangels known as Theo, and some of your listeners might know Abraham Hicks. They're the ones that help Esther Hicks start channeling Abraham. And I've experienced both of them at a retreat in Fort Lauderdale, this uh, Universal Lightworkers Conference. And they're amazing, amazing presenters. And my partner, Michael Gott, is going to be providing music. And we've got eight other workshop presenters. I happen to be the president of the board of that retreat. And I'm also going to be doing a family constellations at that event. Well, that will be so cool. I would, I've never been to Montana. I'd love to check that oh. out. And all of that information is on your website, right? That would be johnheraldmore.com. That's right. That will be an incredible event. Put that on your calendar. And we've only got a few seconds, but I also want to mention the Beyond the Beyond at Unity Village, October 1st through the 4th. And you can go to unity.org and find out about that event. I hope they have all of that stuff posted. And... Our time is up, unfortunately. But John, it's been so fun to talk with you. I'm sure we will talk again. And thank you so much for sharing the Family Constellations process with us. It's been my joy, Diane. Thank you. Thank you for listening. This is Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. What is it you really want in life? No matter what you've been through, you can still achieve it. I'm Sandra Ann Taylor, and in my Energy Activation podcast, we'll explore the science of manifestation, and I'll give you specific techniques to shift your energy in order to make your dreams a reality. I also do live energy readings, and you can be a part of the show by emailing your questions to me at sandrataylor.net. Join me on the mindbodyspirit.fm podcast network or wherever you get your podcasts.